Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I don't know what this, what number episode this is, but I know we're creeping up on 150, so we're going to have a party uh, very soon. But this is still one of our social distancing episodes. We're not in our normal studio. D uh, Don is in our normal studio and the, the rest of us are scattered out throughout the building or to areas that we could find that we had uh, cords that could reach far enough for cameras. Small locked closets. Yeah, Daniel, you trying to reach out and I, I was trying to see if I could reach Don, but we are sufficiently no, yeah, you're socially <laughs> distanced. You are far. Enough. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Yeah, high five. Oh, so no, it, it would have flipped me out, and the hand just comes in. <laughs> yeah, if I could have figured out how to get it. Well, I've got the mannequin next to me again for some reason, which is freaking me out. But um, <laughs> Manny. All right. Yeah. Speaking of freaking me out, uh, we have Paul Joyner joining us all the way from Virginia Beach. Uh, Paul is the host of the podcast Sys Admin Today. Paul, how are you doing? Doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for joining us from your home, I assume, safe and sound? Yes, I've been working from home since November, so I am kind of flowed right along with the uh, corona situation. Oh, it looks like you have a whole little podcast set up back there, too, with the, the foam. Yeah, what's behind me is my actually my work desk. You see it's a Avaya phone, okay. and um, I have the acoustic panels around. And, of course, what I'm on now is where I do my podcast at. Very cool. Well, uh, let's learn a little bit more about that podcast and a little bit more about you in general uh, with our first segment, Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Paul, we're going to take five minutes, but you only have a minute per question. We're going to go round robin style. If you go over a minute, we're going to buzz you and move on. So you ready? All right, yes, Peter, sir. take it away. All right, so you are the host of uh, the SysAdmin Today podcast, and uh, I assume that your background is uh, in system administration yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about your IT journey, how you got to where you are today? Well, it started really probably in 93 when my brother was in college and got his first computer system, an IBM PS1. And I really always, you know, of course, most kids love video games and everything else, but uh, that first computer really just hooked me. And I just went on from there and I just said, this is what I want to do with my life and went to college and got some certs. And luckily enough, I got some good jobs out of it and the rest is history. All right, Paul. So you're the host of SysAdmin today, um, but can you, can you dive in a little bit on that and say, why did you start it and what do you hope to accomplish with the podcast? Well, uh, I used to commute quite a bit, uh, as you heard since November and not, not so much anymore. And believe it or not, I only started listening to podcasts, well, I'll say maybe this probably about four years ago. And I really just love the medium and I kept listening to it, but something deep inside my listeners know this backstory pretty well that, uh, said, you really need to do this. You really need to do this. And I'm a very private person. I kind of beated it down quite a bit and to the point where that's all I was thinking about. And so I researched quite a bit Didn't know nothing about making podcasts and I did it and, and just sharing my, you know, 20 some years of experience and hopefully it's helping other people. And so far so good. My, my takeaway there was Paul hears voices. <laughs> and, and he's got something deep inside him. Yeah. <laughs> I could I couldn't shake it. That's the devil. <laughs> now, Paul, you were you were working out in the field for twenty years, and now you're you're kind of settled in one spot. You're working on your podcast. 
by taking you out of the field, are you finding that it's harder to keep up to date with you know, changes in the industry or are you finding it easier? Like, How are you staying up to date with what's going on? Well, that's a great question. Uh, being a, I was a, worked at an MSP and I did a lot of consulting. So I went to a ton of businesses to the point where I really got burnt out and I didn't have as much time to train and study. Whereas now I'm in a more dedicated role where I have more time to actually, which is encouraged to study and learn and bring up to date. And of course, resources like IT Pro TV, Pluralsight, uh, different internet feeds, news articles, uh, Facebook groups that I'm with, uh, just really try to keep me up to date with that. So I got more time to focus on it, which is fantastic. That's uh, great stuff to hear. I, I know it can be a difficult thing to stay on top of the current events. Uh, that being said, as you were becoming a systems administrator, I, I know for a fact, because I've been down that road myself, that you're going to run into stumbling blocks, difficulties that you did not expect. What are, you, are, are, what are those things that you encountered and how are you using your podcast to try to help others avoid those pitfalls? Um, a lot of it is trying, one thing I always focus on, and be, uh, this word down is being consistent. In system administration, you want to be very consistent because um, when you lose that, you start to lose. Uh, if one user, you miss something on another user or different pitfalls or setting up equipment, router switches, whatever. Um, and if you miss steps and you're not using templates and, and you can really uncover a lot of security holes unintentionally. So being consistent, time management, uh, really just trying to focus on um, keeping all of that and well documentation and just, it's, it's tough, but it, that's what I try to help out as much as I can. What if you're consistently bad? Consistent, <laughs> <laughs> consistent, man. Well, now being in a ton of businesses, I'm sure you guys are the same way. You usually see that the businesses that do things good, they're very consistent with other processes in the business. Uh, businesses that try to be lazy and cut corners, they do that with everything and then counting and, and, and shipping and receiving, whatever it is they do. So it's uh, culture is a big deal. And I try to enforce good culture where I can. Justin's question reminded me of the, I think it was a despair poster or demotivators that was, uh, uh, winners never quit, quitters never win. But if you never win and you never quit, then you're just dumb. <laughs> so, <laughs> now you uh, you worked for an MSP, so obviously you know going out, you probably encountered numerous networks, numerous systems, and yes. I, I did that a long time ago, so I haven't haven't done it recently. Uh, and so I always like to ask people coming from the MSP industry, uh, what is the biggest like mistake or Charlie Foxtrot that you encountered out there, like the the just worst situation at a company? Uh, culture. A lot of it's really culture. Um, there's, you, you usually instantly tell with the leadership, uh, and with stuff that you get come in, you can tell, uh, of course companies are cost conscious. And so you see people try to cut corners in IT all the time. And, uh, and you also see poor setups where a lot of best practices were not followed. Those things can be corrected, uh, for the most part, but the biggest challenge is, is, if you know you're going to be with a management team and a group of people that have are on board and say, okay, we know we have these problems and we can fix these problems. Whereas some of them try to just pass the buck or be defensive and try to, you know, put up your wall of uh, your defensive wall, trying, you know, they don't want the blame type of thing. Yeah. All right, Don, you lost me. What, what is Charlie Foxtrot? 
I'm sure that stands for something inappropriate. It yeah. stands for something inappropriate. Dang it. Uh, it is a cluster. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, managing computer clusters can be difficult. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it can. Yeah. But if you're consistently bad at it, as long as you're consistent. Yeah, again. Yeah. Like, yeah. The classic ID, you know, uh, was it uh, ID10T was always a. Yeah, I know, uh, yeah, I know that yeah. one. <laughs> I'm adding that to my repertoire. Uh, all right, well, let's move ahead uh, to our next segment this week. Uh, we've got uh, got some security news, and so we're going to talk about who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! All right, so the question in this article is, uh, is who did get pwned here? So this one's at ZDNet.com. Uh, hacker hijacks YouTube accounts to broadcast Bill Gates-themed crypto Ponzi scam. Uh, that so- was a Ponzi scam? Ah. <laughs> yeah just got to get a couple people signed up under you yeah. and you're fine you just, just pass it on and then it's not your problem anymore so uh, reading it or looking at the the headline originally i thought oh microsoft uh their youtube account got uh, got breached here and that was that was the problem but uh there's an update now it says microsoft says none of their verified accounts were hacked and youtube has also intervened to take down the scams live stream so it looks like they uh, got the credentials for other popular accounts and then renamed them to be Microsoft, kind of uh, based on Microsoft brands. Yeah, so this one, it was a strange one. Uh, and so the, the article author did exactly what article authors do these days and crafted a headline that had every key element we could ask for, right? We've got hackers hijacking something. We've got YouTube. We've got Microsoft and Bill Gates. We've got cryptocurrency and a Ponzi scam all jammed in one confusing as hell headline that leaves us wondering who exactly got pwned. Because at first I just assumed, all right, well, did Bill Gates' account get compromised? But it didn't. And so then I said, all right, well, did 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 YouTube get compromised? No, they didn't. What happened is these attackers have been targeting YouTube accounts that have a lot of followers, that have a thousand or ten thousand followers, right? So we're not talking about the Kardashians here, somebody who has millions of followers. We're talking about just somebody who has a, a decent enough amount of followers to make it look like a legitimate account. And they're probably just doing password reuse, not anything really sophisticated to get access to that account. And then they're renaming it to something that looks like one of Microsoft's official accounts. So it's not Microsoft's official accounts. It just looks like it might be one. And then they are uploading a bunch of Bitcoin um scams, basically saying, hey, if you put this money in, we'll double your money. Uh, and they've received thousands of dollars. They actually tracked on the wallets to see, and people are donating into it. Uh, but it prominently features Bill Gates' picture and, and so on, uh, and they're spreading across YouTube. So it shows how companies can be affected, even if they're like, Microsoft is likely following all the best security practices with their YouTube channel. But you know, here they're being negatively impacted by other people. So that means you can actually... Y- because of the way that the blockchain set up, you can actually go in and see that that this money has been transferred and this this account has this much money in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the whole the whole point of Bitcoin or really any cryptocurrency is that you have a uh, a ledger of transactions that can't be tampered with, and that ledger just by nature has to be public. All the various Bitcoin mining machines need to be able to read from that ledger and to verify transactions. So when you have a wallet code. You don't know who has the wallet, right? So it is anonymous in that aspect, but you can run the wallet code against the ledger and see whether money's gone in or money's come out. And you can see like what wallet it went to. And you can actually follow the money across uh, Bitcoin, even easier than like real money, because uh, real money, you'd have to have those serial numbers. With Bitcoin, you always have the serial number. So uh, they're able to actually follow that. 
Yeah, and I can see if you if it, you look at some of uh, what they actually wrote in the in the message, it looking like it came from Microsoft. It says our marketing department here at Microsoft came up with an idea to hold a special giveaway event for all crypto fans out there. So basically, like you said, Don, put some money in and you'll get this much money out, which. You know, I, I can certainly see people falling for. I mean, I was getting those emails forever about Bill Gates is going to, you know, send you a thousand dollars if you forward this to 10 people. And none of that worked. <laughs> but I, I tried. I, I just assumed that uh, cryptocurrency was always a scam. Um, maybe that's a negative out view, you know, a view. But it's funny that this is now being broadcast through YouTube because I remember when uh, Bitcoin and that, like, you know, when it was going up to 20K, at that time, there were a lot of legitimate, and I'm doing air quotes for those of you who aren't watching uh, the visual <laughs> scheme, who would put a pyramid on their website and talk about the investment that they could guarantee you and explain. And I was like, that it's a scam. Like yeah. you actually owned up to it being a scam. Yeah, you That's your are. entire business model. Like you're like, our value is being able to scam the hell out of everybody. <laughs> Yeah, what, um, what was that Russian, the, the Ukrainian guy started the company Fraud Inc. or whatever, the one that worked with Giuliani and all that stuff? I mean, you put it right there in the name. How can you blame people <laughs> that, that fall for that? But, uh, Paul, are you a, a crypto guy yourself? No, I'm not. I, 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 I read up on it a few times. And I try to stay at a high level of what's going on. I know it's kind of plummeted down a little bit, um, a little bit, but no, I really didn't invest into it. And, uh, none of the mining machines that you can do. I just, it just wasn't for me personally. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it's, I haven't really been watching the markets. I mean, watching the stock market in the U.S. since uh, all the coronavirus stuff has happened, but I haven't seen really what's happened to the crypto market. But it's probably, uh, I mean, it's gone it's, down quite a bit over really? the past year. You know what I think is going to make a comeback? Beaver pelts. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, I mean, the original currency that, yep. that we as, as Americans used. Yeah, now we are coming up on a halving day. Um, do you know about halving days? I'm saying it wrong. H-A-L-V-I-N-G. <laughs> I was like... Halving, halving. <laughs> Don has stuff where the rest of us do not. <laughs> I know. So, so, you know, every couple of years, they basically double the difficulty or they, they reduce the amount of, of uh, Bitcoins that are being mined by half. And uh, we're about to come up on one. So basically overnight, the hardware investment you've made in all those Bitcoin mining machines loses 50% of its value. Wow. So that'll be that'll be pretty uh, devastating. So I should probably go ahead and put a stop order on that. Yeah. <laughs> Having day that sounds like I thought it was something out of like the Hunger Games or the the Purge. You know. So the reaping is happening. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to turn in my Bitcoin mining rig into a uh, a hash cracking rig. Yeah, you got to repurpose yeah, that. Then I just start password killing everybody and brute forcing and having a good old time. And taking all their Bitcoin. Hey, yeah. it's still a Bitcoin See, mining machine. It's just a different way to get that Bitcoin. Yeah, I got all these GPUs. I got to do something. Uh, yeah. now, so. Space heater. Hey, is that a plausible defense in court? Like, I was Bitcoin mining. I didn't realize that this is not what that meant. <laughs> Probably not. Oh. <laughs> well, dang. I mean, it's worth a shot. I've, I've been told ignorance is no excuse by my attorney and the judge. Is that true? I, I don't know. I've never heard that, so it can't possibly be oh, true. There yeah. you go. Well, it's on the internet, so <laughs> there you go. True. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We got a lot more news to get to. Of uh, a couple of other security things, some um, some new releases, uh, a lot of stuff coming out. So we'll get to that right after this break on Technado with Don Pizzette. Be right back. How do IT pros stay up to date with the IT Pro TV webinar series? Of course. 
Twice per month, IT Pro TV presents a webinar available at no charge. We get started with today's topic. That's right, exploring the dark web with Don Pazette. Don, how are we doing today, sir? Hi. My name is Vaughn Smith, and today we are going to be presenting ITIL4 Foundation exam tips and preparations. Today we get started with today's topic, the undead of IT supporting legacy systems. Help me in welcoming to the stage, Mr. Adam Gordon. Adam, how are we doing today, sir? Well, hold on one second. I got to get started here. Can you talk yeah, to them? Yeah, I can talk Okay, great. Absolutely. So I'm doing you can catch IT Pro TV webinars live or on demand at your convenience. See them all. Visit www.itpro.tv slash webinars. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Tom Pizzette. We've got a lot of news to get to. We've got uh, Paul Joyner on the line with us from the SysAdmin Today podcast. I didn't ask you, Paul, is that actually today? Is it? Is it every day? Is it a daily podcast? Oh, no. That'd be crazy. No. I, I try to do you know, two to three episodes a month, uh, best I can. But SysAdmin um, semi-monthly just didn't have the same yeah, ring. Yeah, today really meant the SysAdmin of today, which is a lot different than what it was, say, even five, ten years ago. And try to keep uh, what a sysadmin is really doing today, and how it's involved through the years, and and your responsibilities, and what to expect. That makes a lot of sense because, yeah, doing a podcast every day would be, Ooh. that'd be a lot. Mm. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the news now. Our first article is from a website that I don't know. I'm gonna probably just say the letters and it's Foss. It's Foss. That all. That's all it is. That's okay. it. It's Foss.com. Is there somebody named Foss? Uh, Free and open source software. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. Uh, all right, this says, what's coming to Ubuntu 20.04 LTS? Uh, so we've got the release dates here and a little bit more information. And uh, Don, I, I imagine this is interesting to you. Absolutely. You know, Ubuntu is not my favorite Linux distro, but uh, it is many, many people's favorite. So it's really super mega popular. And... This is the year 2020, so even numbered year, and it is April, and that means it's time for a new long-term support release. So in a production environment, you should only be running 16.04, 18.04, or here in a few days, 20.04. So uh, that is coming out on April 23rd. The beta just dropped last week, uh, so you can install it and try it out. A release candidate is scheduled, I think, for the 16th. Uh, yeah, release candidate April 16th with the final version coming out a week later, April 23rd. Uh, and that will be the new LTS version that if you deploy, you will have a minimum of five years of active support from Canonical. So that means ready for production use. Uh, this one is called Ubuntu 20.04 Focal Fossa, which I had to look up. A fossa is a weird mutant of a creature that looks like a panther's head stuck on a weasel. And hmm. so that is... Oh, that, that's what's with in that picture of That picture is, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, look that up if you're just listening. Uh, it's a creepy little animal. Yeah, I'm just thinking like Lion King's Bufasa. You know? Yeah, it's kind of like the hyena and Scar got together or something. And... <laughs> oh, man, we're just... <laughs> that's a whole different movie. Yeah, that's a... What <laughs> yeah, about Ubuntu? Part two. Uh, so, uh, Don, there was no delay in this or anything, right? Because I know we, we talked last week about uh, Microsoft, you know, delaying some non-security essential updates, things like that. But this is just going on as scheduled. Yeah, this is going on fine. You know, the the developers that all work 
around this project are all mostly remote anyway. They're spread all around the world. So unless they're actively sick, then they're still able to work and and do things. Uh, Also, it's a pretty minor update. Uh, comparing 20.04 to 18.04 is not that different. And you can tell when the, the number one feature in this article is improved default theme. Uh, they, they changed the icons. Uh, I thought the icons were bad before. I think they're actually worse now. But that's They did get me. rid of that Amazon icon. They, they did. A lot of people complained about that. Wait, is this dark mode new? Yeah. Oh, see, that's... Or the ability to, update. like... And it, there's, like, a quick change function. You don't have to use the tweak feature. You can just click it. Yep. Uh, the login screen changed a little bit, but really nothing too significant. And, uh, you know, I was doing office hours earlier this week and installed this and kind of ran through my n- normal server checklist for standing up a, a Linux server. Uh, the firewall is screwy in 20.04. And I don't know if that's just because it's the beta or if that's just how it's going to be. Uh, but they are using UFW or the unique, uh, the uncomplicated firewall as the default firewall instead of firewall D like everybody else. I don't know why they chose I that. I thought it was it. NFW. Or NF, uh, and what was it? N- so Netfilter, NF? Yeah, but it ended with tables. It was like NF tables or something. Oh, I, well, I don't uh, know. IP tables. So IP tables it, you know, was the default yeah. firewall in systems for a long, long time. Uh, and then with the popularization of system D, a lot of them switched to firewall D. But this one, it's UFW, uh, Netfilter behind the scenes. Uh, so, you know, something to keep an eye out for. But it is available, and a lot of people care about it. And uh, no more Python 2 for, for Justin. Sorry. Yep. And Justin, you had warned us all about that, right? When, when was Python 2's end of support date? Uh, January. Dead. Died. Already gone. gone. So yeah, that is not going to be installed. Now, there are still ways to get it on there, but it's going to be gone by default. Uh, and LXD, the container system that won't die, uh, LXD version 4.0 was released at the same time, uh, and they added some neat support. So LXD can run containers, but it can also run virtual machines now, too. So it's one platform that can run both types of applications uh, which is pretty slick. So, Paul, are you a Windows guy or a Mac guy or or excited about this Ubuntu release? <laughs> I am primarily Microsoft and Azure. Um, I, my whole life is, has been dedicated to Microsoft, essentially. Um, but I have been, but also being with VMware, now I do a, I do a ton with VMware, and that kind of forces you to learn some of the basic of Linux because obviously that's the uh, underlying engine uh, of the a vSphere platform, ESXi platform. And, uh, but I haven't really been all into you know, Linux uh, other than just doing some training. Matter of fact, Don, I'm actually uh, using IT Pro TV to kind of brush up a little bit on Linux and am watching one of your courses right now. With Linux Plus or? Uh, no, I'm starting the basics. I'm doing the essentials. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm starting the, 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 the dirt, dirt. Like, you don't know nothing and working your way up. <laughs> yeah, and it's getting to be something you can't dodge anymore. Because, like you mentioned, you use Azure, and over 50% of servers that are spun up on Azure are running Linux. You know, people are developing web applications. You've got Microsoft SQL that will run on top of Linux now, PowerShell for Linux. Like, even Microsoft is moving in there. So you'll, you're doing the right thing learning it now, because otherwise you're going to be forced to a few years from now. Paul? Yeah, when, yeah, when SQL went to uh, over on top of Linux, that was going to be... Uh, a big one. And right now, the last I saw for statistics, it was close to uh, like 68 or something percent of all workloads are, are, are Linux driven on Azure. I, I need you to promise me something if you're learning Linux. Please do not install PowerShell on Linux. It's like an aberration <laughs> in nature. It's, oh, th- there's one caveat to that if you're doing something like PowerShell Empire where you're creating like PowerShell payloads in Linux system. <laughs> that would be, that'd be all right. 
<laughs> Do that in a VM so you can destroy it with fire when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. All right. Speaking of destroyed with fire, uh, this next article is from the WashingtonPost.com. Uh, SBA computers crash in fresh blow to companies seeking virus aid. And so basically we had the multi-trillion dollar uh, bailout thing finally make it through uh, through Congress and, and signed into law. And uh, part of that was SBA loans that I think were um, basically guaranteed if you didn't lay off people in a certain, I think, eight months or something, then... Uh, the loan would actually, I think, be forgiven. But uh, so basically, you've got people clamoring for this uh, this free money right now. And the system that the SBA uses, the E-Trans system, actually went down for several hours on on Friday, which uh, certainly would affect a lot of people. And Don, do we know anything more about about this yet of what the system was based on or why this went down? So we don't know uh, details about what the system is based on. Uh, A lot of people were calling out saying that it might have gotten hacked or that it was just poorly written or whatever. But this looks to be a pure scalability issue, right? Uh, A lot of businesses, a lot of small businesses were reaching out to their local lender. They were going out to, you know, Wells Fargo, Nations Bank that that they deal with just to run their normal company. And those banks were just not set up to be able to process these loans that fast. You know, the, the whole stimulus package was just passed what a week and a half ago and so the 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 brick and mortar banks are still trying to get set up for that so as an alternative they could jump onto the sba website and uh you know jump in and apply right there where they are set up for it but they got so much traffic so many places hitting that system called the e-trans system that uh i I think it just brought it down uh you know a lot of times these systems aren't tested for scalability and when you've got just you go from tens of users to thousands of users overnight, the systems get get brought to a halt. I have two questions. So let's say I started a cryptocurrency investment small business, <laughs> right? Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Whereas, you know, I'm at the top and there's people under me like helping get a return. Would I qualify for a small business loan that I didn't have to lay them off and got to keep? Yeah, as long as you, well, they're, they're probably independent contractors. No, for this, we'll, we'll waive that and then. <laughs> there, are, there are some rules, you know, you have to have been a company before, I think it was March 19th or something. So, you know, you can't, can't create a company after the fact and you have to actually have employees and you have to have payroll for, uh, I don't know, some bit of information, but, uh, it's it, there's a lot of rules around it, but the the point is that a lot of companies aren't even able to apply for it right now. And these are companies that not not like like with us, we're online, right? So we're not really impacted. But if you're running a restaurant and now you're not allowed to have customers in the restaurant, you got a choice. You can fire all your waiters and waitresses, or if you can get a loan here, you can cover their salaries and have them you know sit around but not unemployed. And if you can ride that for a couple of months until things get back to normal. You just save some jobs, and that's what this is all about. And so it's kind of sad that people can't get in there, but the uh, the site is supposedly fixed now that you can get in and apply. Uh, and if you run, operate, or work for a small business, you should consider doing that. Is, is this part of the federal government, the SBA? Yes. Yep. It's uh, back. So you're telling me a federal government website crashed during a uh, large sign-up process. Absolutely. And I can guarantee you it was one of those that went out to the lowest bidder and it's probably all written in ASP. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> Justin wrote it. <laughs> yeah. This like past weekend. Luckily, too. I had some yeah. startup funds from my cryptocurrency investment business. <laughs> yeah, it's a tale as old as time. Uh, what, what's interesting, though, is it, I don't think it's just a matter of, hey, I'll wait till it's back up. Because I, I read an article yesterday talking about, you know, Wells Fargo basically said when we get to 
you know, $10 billion in, in loans we're not going to process anymore because we know that there's only so many that will be approved. So if you miss that window, potentially, uh, with, with your bank, you might, uh, you might have been left out in the cold. So it's definitely something that's, uh, that's going to impact a lot of people. So yeah, I know I talked to one uh, uh, MSP owner uh, where he said, well, that he's doing fine right now, but he's going to wait it out. And just kind of see, and, and if he gets to the point where he thinks he needs it, then he's going to apply for the loan. And I said, no, you need to you need to apply for the loan now, even if you yeah. don't need it. And then that way, when you do need it, you've already got it. Or if you don't need it, you just don't spend the money, right? You put the money right back in, you pay off the loan, and that's it. You don't have to worry about it being forgiven or anything. So, uh, you know, be smart about it, but definitely get in and get that paperwork done. In addition to the financial industry has some, you know, I think you and I and Daniel, Don, were talking earlier today, uh, like when the Fed knock down interest rates. I know a bunch of banks were like, we don't take any more mortgage lending. Uh, yep. So do you think, is there a possibility that maybe some of that played into this, just increased traffic because of, of those issues too? Or, I mean, these may be separate systems, but just like there has to be a set of processors. Yeah, I, I think it's exposing the banks to risk also, and they don't know necessarily if the government is going to have their back a few months from now. Uh, and the banks are still trying to make money. So who, who knows what all is going on behind the scenes there. But uh, but, you know, if you jump in now, take advantage of it while you can. If you can't get it through one bank, reach out to another, you know, see what you can find. So the, I think the, the thing that uh, we need to keep in mind is we'll just look out for a lot of layoffs in about uh, whatever, six months. or <laughs> Whatever the window is. Nine months. Yeah, nine months in one day where it's yeah. going to be a, a very bad day probably uh, at that time. But all right, let's move on to our next article. Uh, this one is from The Register. Yes, The Register .co.uk. Uh, watch your manners. Akamai, uh, Amazon, Netflix, Microsoft, Google, and PALS join internet routing security effort, uh, filtering, anti-spoofing, coordination, validation to prevent crooks, spies, hijacking victims, connections. So, yeah, that's a... That's you know a it's, a, you know it's a British article because they said watch your manners and not mind your manners. Mm. But they say mind the gap. At the, that's a different saying. Though. That's true. <laughs> no, that, those are different words. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yep. <laughs> this one is uh, is in reaction to numerous uh, traffic hijacks that have happened over the internet over the years. Usually, even here on Technado, I know we've done at least two episodes. Where we've reported on a telco somewhere, uh, usually China, uh, ends up <laughs> redirecting a bunch of traffic for Google or somebody through the uh, through the Great Firewall. And they say, oops, it was an accident. You know, we pushed a bad BGP route. Sorry. And everybody has to give them the benefit of the doubt. But you can weaponize this, and they can hijack and redirect traffic through their system so that they can monitor, track, and potentially work to figure out what that data was, because most data is encrypted these days. Uh, when I read this article, I thought, you know, when was the last time we had a, a BGP compromise. And actually, I had just seen one. What is the date on this article? April 5th. So this is two days ago. <laughs> Russian telco hijacks internet traffic for Google, AWS, Cloudflare, and others. So uh, there's a telco in Russia that is called, I think, uh, Rosteleco or something like that, uh, where this is like the third time they pushed out bad BGP routes. And one time they did it where it grabbed Visa, MasterCard, and just payment industry stuff. So not like random autonomous systems, but like financial industry stuff, which has really made people look at that and say, all right, these are these are some untrustworthy networks. So what Manners is, is a voluntary organization that a lot of these companies are joining. Uh, it stands for, where is it? Um, Mutually Agreed Norms for Routing Security. And 
It's just a, a, a group of companies that are saying, look, we're going to make sure everybody's acting in the best interest of the internet. And if we find somebody that isn't, we're going to cut off all of our products from that, that entity. So if Russo Telecom can't stay on the up and up, then they're going to find themselves where they're not able to access Google networks. They're not able to access Microsoft networks and so on. They're going to get blocked off. So the idea is that it's a self-governing entity and it's got over 300 members now with some really big names. So telecoms aren't going to want to get on the wrong side of that organization. That's right. Google and those big dogs are the only ones that are allowed to see that information. <laughs> that they, they already have it. Mining from you. How dare you? This reminds me of the, gig. This reminds me of the last season of Silicon Valley where they had the Tethics, the Tech oh, Ethics the tethics, yeah. uh, pledge. And if you didn't get in on that, then you know you you were kind of uh, ousted there. So, um, so w will we be seeing more companies coming onto this, or are, th are these just the companies that kind of you know were the initial well, offering here? If if I had to throw out a theory. I'd say we'll see a ton of companies join it, and it's going to do absolutely no good. Because there's no actual mechanism behind this for enforcement. And if somebody like Google says, that's it, we're blocking Russo Telecom, technically that violates the spirit of the internet, that you're not supposed to be blocking off entire sections of it. So I think this is mostly show. And then the spirit of the internet will haunt you. Yeah. Or send you to 4chan. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to find yourself there. Yeah, <laughs> just redirected to 4chan. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they block you. It's 4chan, and then if you're really naughty, it's 8chan. 8chan. So, yeah. I was about to bring Paul in, but now I'm like, so Paul, yeah, you big 4chan guy. <laughs> Paul, you there? Don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> He's like, that's what I'm doing right now. You should see this sick stuff. Oh, this is horrible. Crazy. Good thing I'm routing all my traffic through just telecom in Russia. <laughs> All right, so apparently I'm a square, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bite on this. Is HN a real thing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Twitch is bad. So I think you it, thought Fortune was bad. Twitch so, is CHN. So HN I think actually came from Cloudflare taking down assets for 4chan because 4chan wouldn't regulate. I could be wrong about this, so if you're listening, be like, that's totally wrong. Uh, then imagine this is fiction. But if I'm right about it, awesome. <laughs> it's a fact. It's, it's a fact. fact. Yeah. Um, but so in response, like some of those people like reformed into 8chan and like set up not using Cloudflare and they're like, we're going to do whatever we want. Now look at this horrible, horrible video that we put up. Yeah. I'm going to start saying that for everything. And if I'm right about this, then it's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm wrong about it, it's fiction. Yeah, um, yeah you got to make sure you say that part too. Yeah. Oh, I touched my face again. Yeah. You got to get that, that. that disease. Touching doorknobs and... Touching my face. It's I've been like, licking doorknobs. I say, I thought I saw Peter licking the toilet seats. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything about that. Yeah, said, don't touch your so. face. Wash your hands Wash when your you're hands. done, right? That's my tongue I'm talking about. It's totally different. Uh, all right, our next article is at ArsTechnica.com. Open WRT code execution bug puts millions of devices at risk. Uh, a partial fix mitigates the risk, but the lack of encryption and other weaknesses remain. Now, Don, is this one of those where... Uh, it's over-sensationalized in the headline, or are millions of devices actually at risk? So, uh, kind of borderline. Uh, I would really be surprised if there were millions of OpenWRT devices out there. Uh, I, I mean, OpenWRT is, is, is cool. You know, you can stand up an open-source router with it, but I, I don't think millions of people are using it. I mean, millions with an S, that means at least 2 million 
Uh, that, that seems a little far-fetched for me, but uh, OpenWRT is a popular product. You can load it as custom firmware on a lot of different uh, routers and firewalls. You can build your own boxes. A lot of people use little uh, portable VPN routers that run OpenWRT. I think we talked about that in a webinar, Daniel and I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, you know, it was popular enough for that. But it had a little problem, which is when it did a system update, it would reach out to the OpenWRT repos, and it would download the update files. And it would do all of that over HTTP instead of HTTPS, all right? And so that means it's not encrypted, and it's in plain text, and so anybody could intercept that traffic and inject different files in that payload, and and the system didn't have a way to verify it. Well, let me clarify that. Uh, What it would do is it would check the file size, and that's it. So the way it would verify that the file was the right one and that it was intact was file size. So you could jam as much malware into a file as you wanted as long as it ended up being the same size as the original, which <laughs> is that easy hashing stuff is hard, Don. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to understand how people who built an open source routing platform didn't go, maybe we should MD5 this, man, or SHA-1 or something like that. You know, how does that happen? You have to remember with open source, they are volunteer developers. And so they're going to want to work on a cool feature, you know, something really neat, like, oh, I got to bake in OSPF support or something like that. They're not thinking, wow, people would really love it if we MD5'd our system update files. Or, but it's, it's, I think I get where Justin's going with this. It seems like if we were going to make like a, a volunteer crime stoppers force or something and they're all ex cops. You would think that they would know what to do, and then they went out there and went, well, we put all these jewels out in the middle of the street, and they were stolen the next day. That's weird. You know, it's they have some some technological chops. It just does seem strange. Also, it something seems like similar. not a, I mean, if you're already, like, messing with the system update, is it really that hard to go, all right, let's MD5 this action? Yeah. I don't uh, know. I, I, any kind of hash, really, I mean, yeah. Even a SHA-512, if you want to go crazy, you can you can do it pretty easy. Uh, so that was one problem. The, the the other thing was like how you exploit it, right? So obviously, if you're going to main in the middle, you got to get in the middle. So if you're on the network or if you can poison DNS or something, you can be in the middle. Uh, if you're just Joe Schmo out on the internet, it's pretty hard to take advantage of this. Uh, you would have to ideally compromise the OpenWRT servers, and then you'd be able to push out the files from there. Uh, so they have done some basic fixes. They are switched uh, over to HTTPS in the newest one, uh, but they have not implemented hashing yet, to my knowledge, uh, but they're working on it. So we'll see an update from there. So just because you're running OpenWRT doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, you've been hacked and you're super vulnerable. It means that there is an attack vector that could be used against your equipment. So make sure you do your updates and then just look for more news to come out of them. Part of me wants to go, is this uh, is this hosted on GitHub? Or is this like a SourceForge thing? Or You know, I don't know where the code is. Let's find out. Like I brought I, your I, computer I with you. I know. Oh, let me set it in this hot closet where it's <laughs> wicked hot. Hey, you've got a fan. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I'm not sweating and it smells <laughs> like gaming dead. musky man in here is because of the fan. Yeah, but it's blowing that, uh, that fried there, bologna all, yeah. all around. Yeah, mm, right. bologna. Um, but I kind of want to, like, oh, well, let me go see how hard this is. Maybe maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's... Uh, they, uh, they maintain their own Git repository. So you can go to git.openwrt.org. Okay. So it's not GitHub. It is uh, git-scm, and they're hosting it themselves. Oh. So they could screw that up, too. Oh, well. <laughs> so, Justin, you can get in there and help and, and be part of the solution. Yeah, I mean, 
If it's I half expected it to be dalesgit.org. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hosted at a Russian telecom. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> it's all going to come back to China. That. Now, uh, uh, Paul, and the work you've done with the public or, or just talk to other people out there, do you encounter OpenWRT? No, I've never seen it um, deployed anywhere. Uh, either, <laughs> well, through there personal, <laughs> either through friends, family, because, you know, obviously if you're in IT, you do all the friends and family too, and uh, they're friends, and um, it's a vicious cycle. Uh, but no, I have not seen it. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with it, uh, and but I'm not, uh, haven't seen it actually in the wild. I ran it years ago because you could override, you could break the FCC rules with your wireless antennas. Uh, <laughs> and so you could get a stronger access point. I haven't had to do that in a long time, though. I do remember getting those extended antennas for the Linksys WRT 54Gs, where I guess the WRT of this came from. Yep. And uh, yeah, I tried to extend that in. Yeah, use the, uh, what was the other one? There was another uh, firmware uh, one, too. Was tomato. Oh, and, tomato. That's it. Yeah. 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 And uh, I remember, uh, I do remember playing with that back, way back in the day. Don's like, I haven't done this since uh, however long the statute of limitations is on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that long ago. That's when I did Whatever the judge said was. Yeah. <laughs> Five years and one day ago. Yeah. That's the last time. I think I know what the problem is. I just went to the, so it, now granted it's on my phone, so it might not be optimized for mobile view. But I went to the Git repo that you just said, Don. It's just a cascading list of things. It looks like an old school FTP server run by the government. Maybe Is that is. the same view that you got? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, ah. So as soon as I opened it, I went, I'm not helping. <laughs> You're beyond help. Hence, MD5 nice. hashing is yet to be instantiated. Instantiated. <laughs> All right, uh, our last article of the day is from theguardian.com. Zoom is malware, that's in quotes, why experts worry about the video conferencing platform. The company has seen a 535% rise in daily traffic in the last month, but security researchers researchers say the app is a, quote, privacy disaster. And I, and I was going to ask, Paul, if you use it, but we're using it right now to talk to you. But do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you use Zoom otherwise? How do you like our malware? Uh, the only time I've ever really used Zoom is when I'm a guest on other podcasts. Okay. I don't use it. I don't use it personally. Actually, I use Discord to record my guests, and um, and then with my work, we use Teams for everything. Teams, so yeah. uh, we don't have to really use Zoom at all. Yeah, Daniel, have I kept him on the line long enough for you to? Uh... Yeah, yeah. No, data's coming in. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, he said he didn't have any Bitcoin. We found that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Maury. <laughs> that fast. <laughs> that's great. So uh, is there anything new to this, Don? Because I know we talked last week about uh, Zoom being a milkshake duck, uh, basically. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, is it just more people, you know, are discovering the same things that others have discovered? Or are there new issues? Well, so they are dealing with rapid scaling, right? Uh, I think it says in the byline there they've uh, they've increased traffic 535%. Like Zoom has been the darling of the work from home movement. So talk about a phenomenal opportunity for them. And I, I actually I kind of feel bad, and maybe I'm being naive on this. I feel bad for them because... Uh, all of a sudden, it was their day to shine. It was their day to step up and become the dominating factor in online presence. Uh, and the security snafus they've had, which is not one or two, but like seven of them now, uh, have led to them being banned by numerous school systems, uh, where I, I think California was one, in the UK they're doing it, where they're coming out and saying, you are not allowed to use Zoom. So they're going from having 535% more potential customers to having 
even fewer customers than before this started because they're getting banned. And those bans don't tend to go away. Like a year or two from now, they won't be able to recover from that. A lot of those bans will still be there. Uh, but some of this is stemming from the fact that they uh, were rapidly deploying out on-premises servers that could facilitate schools without compromising the students' uh, information, right? Because, you know, you have the the COPA and GDPR and all this stuff that when you start having students log into the system and put in their name, now there is personally identifiable information and you've got to manage it. And Zoom is not certified for a lot of that stuff. Uh, Microsoft Teams is. And so a lot of people are moving over to Teams or, or other solutions because of those privacy concerns. But the, the big deal was just the Zoom bombing where you had... Uh, naked dudes jumping into classrooms. Into Norwegian classrooms. Yeah, yeah. It and uh, it, it happened more than once and other trolls doing kind of things like that. Uh, so Zoom moved to implement waiting rooms where you couldn't just blindly go right into one of these rooms. You had to wait and be authorized to come in. But the damage is kind of already done. And if you're running a school and you have kids, then the kids' parents could potentially sue the school for using this tool. And so they you know, are just kind of acting... Uh, in excess of caution and saying, that's it, we just won't use that tool. So a couple of things here. Uh, Zoom, I feel like some of the, the one thing that did bother me is like when they came out and they're like, well, end-to-end -end encryption is, eh, we, maybe we misrepresented that. So I can see them, uh, that was in that same article, right, Don, or am I yeah, misremembering? Yeah, that, that was from yeah. last week. Yeah, so, okay. But the, the whole school system thing, as a former teacher, we were told to use a bunch of classroom tools that had students signing into them. I would probably 95% sure bet money there's at least two used by every school system that do not comply with COPA, FERPA, any of those. And it just so happens, like I feel bad for Zoom in that case, because yeah, they're... they're well, it's because they were thrust to the spotlight here, and yeah. that's why all these things are exposed. My, but my favorite part was the the actual researcher that was from uh, a university that was saying, the one that was quoted as saying Zoom is malware, it was because that Zoom was installing server software into the the systems without people's knowledge, and you could use that to spin up a, a Zoom. But, but they got rid of that. Microphone. They did. But if they was there, yeah, it that's was why there. it was saying yeah. and Zoom is malware because it's it's doing things that you don't intend it to do. It's giving access that you don't intend it to have. And, and you know what I blame that, and I could be totally wrong. Someone came in and went, wouldn't it be cool if we could do X? And there's just like one developer in the corner going, oh, no. Oh, no. And then they go, Billy. And he goes, what? And they go, Can't, wouldn't it be cool if we do the what? And he's like, all right, I'll get it done. And he does it. And the way he does it is he, de he deploys a web server so he can circumvent all these things. And then they're like, Billy, why'd you do that? We had to get rid of that because we're in trouble now. <laughs> Where's Skype in all this? Because, you know, Skype was the, the big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Skype was the big player for the longest time. And Have you used Skype? Not, not in a long time. But <laughs> yeah, you know why? It's not malware, is it? I, I mean, but as bad as it, as hard as it is to use, I would say there's mal something about it. <laughs> that, that is the big comment you hear is that Skype is just hard to use. Yeah. That Zoom is super easy to use. You can jump into a massive conference with little effort, but Skype is hard. And, and that's why Teams has Skype functionality in it, and it's actually easier in Teams. Uh, it's, yeah, it's weird. Microsoft didn't really do any favors to Skype after they acquired it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Zoom's so easy to use. You can just jump right in a classroom full of kids while you're <laughs> yeah, you know, naked in the You're like, listen, kid, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm not wearing pants. But listen, <laughs> if there's two things I need you to know, Applebee's got rats <laughs> <laughs> and 
and Colgate tastes like garbage. <laughs> those will be the two we're sued by this week. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're watching. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, if the, we're going to pick a fight with some kind of corporate conglomerate, then I, I feel like Colgate and Applebee's are the safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't you refer to <laughs> you find out they're owned by like DuPont company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big chemical giants. Well, that would explain a lot about Applebee's food. Yeah. Yeah. And the rats, yeah. the size of cats. Or they're owned by the Tiger King guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Joe Exotic. Yep. And then we have real trouble. Have you finally seen the whole thing now, Don? No, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> it's so, ridiculous. So I will tell you this. I, I watched it just because I was like, I'm ready for shenanigans. I'm ready for shenanigans. And there were some shenanigans in there. But, man, those episodes, they should have been half the length of yeah. what they were. Yeah. That's true. It, it did go it did go on a little bit. Like. It, it, it's funny because here at the at the marketing team at IT Pro TV, I, I know, like these, a couple of people were saying, "Hey, we should do this uh, like a Tiger King kind of thing where we do this or do that." And I'm like, "Have you not watched the whole thing yet?" Because I don't think <laughs> yeah. you want our brand associated with so that. A couple of things, thing. like it ends up bad for a bunch of people. Pretty much everybody. Like. People are getting investigated because of it. And yeah. Yeah. There's that one girl. I'm like, oh, it didn't didn't really end up bad for. Oh, she lost an arm. Yeah. No, right, yeah. 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 That was I like how they blurred that out. It's like, come on now, you're Netflix. Yeah. You can show me some gore. It's Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and and if you don't believe they can, uh, was yeah, it Evil watch Genius? Evil Genius. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh just, man, just go on eight chan. You can see what oh, yeah. the inside of an elbow looks like. That would have been like, what is this weak sauce? <laughs> some girl mauled by a tiger. Ain't Lame. Nothing. All right, guys. Well, uh, again, I have no segue for Paul. Uh, so, Paul, uh, sysadmin today, uh, you, you have a website that uh, people can go to to find out all about that? Yeah, it's uh, sysadmintoday.com. Oh, look at that. Uh, easy enough. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, just forward slash sysadmintoday, Twitter, forward slash sysadmintoday. And, yeah, yeah, just... Try me. I'm, I'll be putting out a new episode in the next couple of days for sure. And yeah, subscribe, check me out. So is that website up just today or is that up every day? <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure I didn't, you know, there but was it's confusion about today. today earlier. Just, sure. It's always up today. You don't have an HN <laughs> subdomain, do you? <laughs> <laughs> he does now. He's, getting, he's registering right now. <laughs> All right, well, make sure when you're done subscribing to Technado, uh, you also subscribe uh, to to sysadmin today and uh, and support Paul and and Paul thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. It was a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, and before uh, we let everybody go, I want to let you know about a couple things coming up uh, over at IT Pro TV. First of all, uh, we have a webinar that is actually recording right now. Normally, we don't uh, record our webinars ahead of time, but in this case, we are with everything going on. But um, this is nurturing a learning culture remotely, uh, keeping your team's skills relevant while facing the challenges of remote working. And it will actually be uh, still released on Thursday, April 9th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, that's with Joe Peacock and Cherokee Boos. Uh, but they're actually going to be in the uh, live chat to answer any questions that come in uh, during that one. So uh, it's still essentially live in that way that you're still able to interact and get your questions in. Uh, another one coming up, Evolved Server Management with Windows Admin Center. Uh, that's going to be Mike and Wes doing that on Thursday, April 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. You can see all the upcoming ones uh, and subscribe or uh, register for those. And you can also see the past webinars that you can watch on demand uh, at itpro.tv slash webinars. Uh, also want to let you know, uh, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. Uh, you can find out all about uh, signing up for ITPro TV, a seven-day uh, free trial, a 30% off code, uh, 
to try out your personal plan. You can also find out about registering, um, uh, getting a demo for your business. Uh, that's all at go.itpro.tv slash technado. This is actually a really good time uh, to check that out because we're doing a, uh, a free weekend this coming weekend, which would be what, the 11th and 12th, I guess? Uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, for AWS. So all the AWS courses are, are going to be opened up uh, and it's kind of like, you know, those HBO free previews. Uh, you can, if you sign up for a free account, no credit card, anything like that, you can go ahead and watch all those AWS courses. And I think, Justin, you're a few of those, right? Yep. You do those. And Don, you do some of the AWS stuff? Yep, I filmed them with Justin. <laughs> wow, look at yeah, that. It's crazy. <laughs> so if you, for some reason, like this combo of Justin <laughs> and Don, and you want to learn about AWS, uh, there you go. So check that out. Uh, again, go.itpro.tv slash technado. Well, thank you, everybody, uh, for keeping your distance today. And, uh, and again, thank you, Paul, for, uh, for taking the time with us today. But uh, we're going to call it quits for this one, and we'll see you next week right here on Technado. Bye-bye.